All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today we have Anna Malikin with us. So welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here. Grateful to have you here. Uh, if you can, just to start us off, tell us a little bit more about you and what you got going on. Uh, so I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm in a mission of helping purpose-driven leaders and organizations increase their impact while preventing burnout. I love it. And actually, I think in our last conversation, I was telling you a lot of my clients uh, probably need help with this. Um, you know, a lot of times, really, no matter where you're at, if you're an entrepreneur, burnout is kind of inevitable at some point. Um, cause you know, you work really hard, you get to, you get to a place, then you start to plateau burnout, and then you got to restructure things to be able to get to the next level. So, um, let me ask you this before, or actually let's even start a little earlier when you were in like middle school, high school, uh, days, what did you think you would be doing as a career? Ooh, at, at that time, I was really wondering, um, because uh, in Portugal, we have to decide at the end of high school, when we apply to college, what is the major that we are doing? It's not like here in the United States. So there is, all of us are in like, since the 15, 16, like wondering what do we want to major in? Um, and I knew that was something with sciences because that is what I was good in, in, in school, but I was in between things like biology, um, computers and psychology. That was what I decided eventually to go to. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then what was your first career? Like after in, in psychology. So I That's did the. Uh, I was a psychotherapist for many years. I was teaching in, in universities in Portugal and in Spain. So I was in the training world. I was doing speaking already, training and speaking at the time. So, but my world was psychology all the way around. That's so cool. All right, before we get into what you're doing now, I'd like to dive a little deeper into that because psychology is really interesting. It's the, I mean, I guess there's other things that do this too, but it's one of those studies where it's like you're studying yourself, you know, mm -hmm. it's like brain studying the brain. <laughs> so yes. I don't know. That's why I think it's such an interesting thing. Um, so do you, can you trace back? Like, why do you think, what drew you to that? Just like, was there any life events that you think made you more interested in that? I always like to solve puzzles. So problem solving was always something that I enjoy doing naturally it could be, uh, uh, I was wanting to do some kind of a craft and I had to put things together and solve the issue or, and I was very curious. So for that things in science were very appealing for me. And, uh, even computers was a big puzzle to be solved and <laughs> can you find a bigger puzzle than human beings? So that is what attracted me to go to psychology because I thought I will never stop to be fascinating and there will never be an absolute solution for this puzzle. So that will keep me um, hooked and entertained for my life. I love it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people will choose a career where they can like exit it. Right. But I think me and you are similar in a sense where I've chosen something like podcasting is more for me, a passion project. It's not my main thing, but 
I've chosen it because I realized it's something that when I'm 80, 90 years old, I could still do and still love doing. Right. So I think that's a better way of choosing things rather than like being like, oh, I'm going to do this for 40 years and then get out of it and then do what I really want to do. I, it's better if you just do what you really want to do the whole time, right? <laughs> I totally agree. And I love the podcasting also because what better thing having interesting conversations with interesting people is always in a great yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I, it's one of the most enjoyable things for me. Um, I have a bunch of questions. Sorry, psychology is like, like Jordan Peterson. He's one of my favorite authors and I just, I love watching his stuff. He's a psychologist too. Um, so two more questions on psychology. Maybe I'll have more, but um, one, what are like top psychology books you'd recommend? Just hmm. curious. That is a interesting question that I don't have immediately an answer, but for most listeners, I will advise if they didn't read already to read Mindset from Carol Dweck. Okay. Um, she's a psychologist too. The book is based in her research in psychology and it's really a transformational book for many people personally. And I think when we speak about mindset, and that is one of my areas that I, I love to speak, my mind, my podcast is the Mindset Zone. Her work is absolutely one of the core um, if you are working with mindset. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um. And obviously I'm, I'm assuming you can't name names, which really isn't important in this scenario, but through your times as a psychologist, are you able to tell any stories of like situations where a person came in and they had this issue? And obviously you would have to leave out any details that could track back to the individual, but um, you know, and then through the psychology sessions, let's call it with you you are able to talk with them or ask them the correct questions to have them be able to get through it. I, I'm just curious, like how that process kind of works its way through all, all the way. So a lot of my initial work uh, was in psychotherapy. So we are focusing in helping. And the, in my case, I was, uh, my speciality was with people with uh, anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. So, and the main tool that we have is the spoken word and communication in general. Um, also, the no verbal is also very important. So, absolutely, uh, through the tools that we have in psychotherapy, uh, to the spoken therapy, we can help people um, move from really difficult mental illness uh, and situations into a normal functional life and there is a lot of there is the cognitive work that we can do but there is also the behavioral work that can be done and even uh, there are many modalities in 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 psychotherapy that we can pull out from um, to make things happen and to help people uh, start to um, to come out of the dysfunctional of a mental illness to a more functional life. Then when I moved here to the United States and I decided to become a coach, was a lot of using the same tools, the same, uh, uh, and the, the background that I had, adding new tools from the coaching, and uh, was the pleasure of working with people that had a functional life 
but they want to excel. They want, I like sometimes to compare with, if you imagine like a line with a zero in the middle, and there is uh, to one side of the line, to the left, you have the negative numbers. People with mental illness will be in that negative on, on the scale, and you have to bring them to the zero, to a functional life. Then coaching is working with people that are around zero, that want to excel going into the positive side, the, the, the right side of the, the scale to plus 10. So taking really advantage of their potential. But the tools in many ways uh, are also in coaching a lot. We use the words, we use our beliefs and the uh, 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 boosting our uh, self-limiting beliefs, but also what we do, the behaviors, our feelings. We all have to enter all that in consideration to help people uh, create and sustain change. Got it, got it. Very interesting. So it, it isn't like, like, so if they're in the negative, as you, uh, the analogy, I guess we'll call it they use. Yes. First goal is get it to zero and then build from there. So you're not yes. jumping from negative to positive. Like we got to get to a neutral first. Yes. Um, Got it. Got it. And is it because I feel like you hear this a lot in uh, I think in general, you just hear this a lot, but I feel like it's mostly in movies. They'll like when people go in for like therapy sessions or anything like that, most of the time, like the therapist, if you will, they're not really saying much. They're just, they're asking questions, very few. And then the person is doing most of the talk. Like in, in your case, is it, is it really more asking the right questions and having them figure it out themselves? Or are you actually kind of giving them a plan as well? Both. So think about psychotherapy as going to a, a gelato place where you have hundreds of flavors to pick from. There is okay. literally hundreds of psychotherapy models out there for all tastes, shapes and sizes. So if everybody, anybody out there, did you work with somebody and didn't work, don't give up because you just have to find the right fit. Uh, but the, like the big models, you will have cognitive psychology that and, and, uh, and cognitive therapy that is a lot based on working our beliefs. But even there, there is, yes, there is the question. It's asking the right questions, ask, um, helping people to see things from a different perspective, but also doing, also being aware. There are many tools that we can use to help people to increase their awareness and uh, um, and there are other modalities that focus more on the feelings. Uh, so really, uh, and it's very diverse. And the, the image that come on the movies is just one little slice of it. Ah, got it, got it. Okay, interesting. I didn't actually realize there was like that many different models. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. You have models of psychotherapists, uh, for instance, culture therapy that you, the therapist will ask you to, if imagine you are a sculpture represent in physically the problem that you are feeling. That uh, is one technique, let's not, uh, that can be used in certain models of psychotherapy. So the diversity is incredible. And there are psychotherapy is the, the models that focus more in review of the past to help us with the present and with the future. But there are also the ones that 
are totally focused on the future. Uh, one of the uh, better known ones is called solution focused therapy. That is a lot on the principle that even when you are with a problem, there is always moments of exception to the problem. Let's focus on what is happening on that exception and what can we learn to amplify their moment and to that become your new normal. So the diversity is incredible. Wow, very interesting. Um, and then what was it that then shifted you into helping uh, people with burnout? What was the, the shift there? So when I start to work uh, in more in the coaching and helping people uh, in terms of business coaching, business entrepreneurs to succeed and to um, grow their companies, and, and even in my own journey as my own business, is is so easy to get into these burnout cycles. And you were referring this in the beginning. When we are starting our business, we have to put a lot of hours. And sometimes we can overextend ourselves. So uh, we can learn from it. Or if we are always repeating certain patterns, that is when it becomes a problem. And when burnout can really be a problem, because if we really burn out, then it takes time to recover from it. And what I realize is that we really have the tools that allow us to see where we are and we can achieve much more in terms of impact, in terms of positive impact out there. If we learn how to be in a full engagement mode instead of relying on the pushing, pushing that leads to the burnout. So don't see burnout as on and off. See, I see burnout as a continuum. So you have like, again, a line, if you want to, so to, uh, to imagine a continuum with the one extreme will be burnout, full burnout. People need to recover and they have to take out time to coming out of the hashes. And, but at the extreme, we have full engagement, the flow of high performance. So we are somewhere in this scale and we want to avoid as much as possible to fall into full burnout because literally it takes time to recover physically, emotionally when we have the full burnout. And when we have the red flags, we can start to always try to be in that engagement, the full engagement mode that is where we can create a bigger impact out there. And when we have organizations, make sure that the culture of the organization sustains that full engagement and avoids the burnout. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it that way with like, basically, I think a lot of people associate burnout with like an amount of time they're working, like they're working too much, but the way you kind of described it, it's it's more about the way that you're working. Correct. Right? Yes, of course. Or they say there is a question of capacity. And if we always demand, uh, if you are working constantly 80, uh, 80 hours a week, uh, at some point your yeah. body is going uh, to say, okay, enough is enough. If you are working that number of hours, but you are on purpose, you have a great team, you are doing something that energizes you, 
you have a, that will help you to stay in that mode and prevent the burnout for a while. But if you are cutting sleep, that will catch up with you one way or the other eventually. Oh, yeah. No, no. I remember earlier <laughs> that 100% the sleep things for real. Yeah, uh, we we have this illusion. Oh, I don't need that quantity of sleep. By what we know from research, yes, there are a, a very small percentage of people that they have a genetical modification that they are okay with four hours sleep. But that is like 1% of the population. All the rest, seven to eight hours sleep is what they need, even if they deny it. So wait, because uh, I, I missed the number the, for the like 1%, how many hours do they need? Uh, they even, there are people, there is a genetical uh, modification in some people that four, number four hours and the, the, the will oh, be okay. enough for them feeling recharged and to totally like functional. But for wow. most humans, we need the seven to eight hours, even if we spend years. And my in my case, I after my daughter was born, I spend years sleeping less than five hours. And then oh. I pay the price for it. Um, but it. And I was, theoretically, I was functional. I ran a successful business while sleeping five hours from average at night. But the body said, uh, arrived to a point that they say enough is enough. Okay, gotcha. And then you you basically, would you say you, like you got burned out then? Uh, and the burnout comes in many different ways for many different people. For me, was I had I was diagnosed with cancer, so I had to decide oh, okay. what was important, uh, saving myself and restructure my life. It's what I decide to do, and uh, what um, because when you and it doesn't need to be cancer when you have. Uh, a situation that the doctors say um, that you really have to put your things together and uh, uh, that uh, changes your perspective and priorities immediately. And for me, the fascinating thing now looking back is that it really allowed me to learn to that I can have even a bigger impact with my work, working less hours. I just have to, it's the whole thing, work smarter, not harder, but uh, I, it's common sense, but it's not common practice. And um, and we have to make it common practice. Yeah, and from, from the times that I've talked to you, you seem like very calm and like just relaxed about, like, is that something you've kind of trained yourself on to lower your stress levels and stuff? Absolutely. You, we... we we have to recharge our batteries and uh, as more grounded you can be, the I think uh, the better we are to be able to be effective out there in the world. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to Joe Rogan podcast is like, there's also the opposite problem for some people that like they don't do enough. So their battery is like it's it's like kind of um like they're not using enough energy so they can't sleep at night and uh joe rogan talked about that how he kind of he views every day as like you have like a battery of life and you need to like basically work hard enough to burn it down so that you can sleep well and then in the morning you're good and it's recharged you know but um you know like if you sit on the couch all day 
it, it's, it could potentially be hard to sleep at night because you didn't use any of the energy. So yeah, it's and yeah. there is a rhythm. Nature has a rhythm. We as human beings have a rhythm. And that we have to learn how to tap into their natural rhythm uh, to achieve, to if, if we learn to tap into our rhythm and, and learn to live on purpose, we really can do an incredible impact out there in the world. But if we are yeah. not, like you're saying, if we are, if our life uh, doesn't have that meaning of purpose or, and people even from other reasons, they lose their jobs. COVID happens and suddenly they are, uh, they are, uh, they saw everything that they want to see Netflix and now what? Then yeah. that creates um, a cycle that is not a very positive cycle. Uh, and you need something that gets you a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. There is like a harmony and like ebbs and flows. And it's not just relax or work it's 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 really both is needed actually a guy i recently just had on uh the podcast he helps people with retirement because he he discovered that you know a lot of people before they retire they're they think in their mind like oh this is going to be so easy i'm going to retire set everything up and i'm good no more working life's easy but then you have a whole other problem like what do i do with all this time you know like now I have all this time. I've left all my friends from work. I have no structure. You know, it's a whole nother issue then. Absolutely. And uh, I think they're gender wise, men as it a little bit more, uh, at least the, I, I still remember my dad, that and my mom, when they retired, my mom was, okay, no problem. She always finds something to do and meaning in many of the things, helping others, helping the family. But my dad, he lost a lot of his so social recognition identity that he had in his profession uh, mm. and was uh, yes he enjoyed they travel and all of that but he lost a part of himself that he never really recovered uh, when he retired huh yeah I wonder if it's yeah I think that's very common because yeah I mean imagine if you're in a profession you know in a corporate let's just say it's corporate for like 30 40 years you're used to that same good morning, the recognition every day or five days a week. And then that just poof, one day is gone. It's really wild. Um, and it shows, maybe you could speak to this. I'm, I'm curious. It shows how like we as humans, sometimes we think things will be like something and they are just completely not even close. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you assume retirement would be easy and everything's good. And then when you get there, you're like a week into it everything is nothing as you imagined like that's yeah, so yeah maybe more than a week but and everything depends because if you hate your job retirement can be heaven yeah yeah i agree <laughs> that yeah Mm. So, that uh, is a change. And even we know, interesting, going back to psychology, even positive changes create stress. You can be in love and want to live for, uh, with a person and you get married or you decide to live together. And it's a positive change, but that positive change creates stress. And how we deal with it is the question. So life always throws us challenges is how we deal with those challenges is always the question mm -hmm. yeah i agree so how um would you help how long have you been helping people with burnout now 
so if focus totally on the, the like the main priority in my business is being now a couple of years um, okay. but I have done work on this in the human potential that I think uh, uh, Helping people increase their impact while preventing burnout is really helping people tap into their human potential. And that has been my life work is one way or on another is all about tapping into the human potential. Mm. What would you, I guess, so I, for helping people with burnout or helping people with their human potential, is there anything that you could provide for people you know, that are listening to the podcast that they could do maybe like a self-assessment on how to okay. improve? Okay, so I can give a framework and then a very practical methodology. Beautiful, so, couldn't ask okay. for more. <laughs> so a uh, framework in terms of human potential. I think even many of your listeners, I, I imagine are entrepreneurs, they have their own businesses. And since we are speaking about psychology, we can say that most business problems are personal problems in disguise. Let's be honest. Hmm. We get stuck in certain patterns and this, we have to do some self-development work to get out of that pattern. So we can recognize that individually, there is a lot of potential that we have within us that if we learn to get unstuck, we can release a lot of energy and possibilities that way. And that is usually as we see human potential at that individual level. But human beings are connecting beings. We live as social beings with others. And even in our business, we cannot have a business alone. We have to have other people, even if it's just the client to buy from us or other people in our teams or the world in general where we function. So if we take that, that power of connection from the networking, from the team, and we also consider that human potential. There is another source of is that the uh, the we part of human potential that we can tap into and achieve much more together that we can do alone. And then so there is the individual, there is the the team. Let's see the network, and then we are part of bigger systems. We are part of a, a culture, society, planet. And that is that systemic approach that is even another human potential that we can learn to tap into and to release its power. So think about the individual perspective, the group perspective, and then the systemic perspective. And yes, as individuals, we have more control over what we do in, in terms of releasing that individual potential, but let's not lose the from our minds that there is other dimensions that we can leverage to take things to a bigger level. At the individual level, one of the things, we, even for people that they love personal development work and self-development work, is really easy to stay stuck and really easy to sometimes have a glimpse of something working and then stop working and see other people that are evolving more and we feel what is happening, why, why is that happening? So I use a methodology that I call the PIE method. So P-I-E, keep it simple. When I speak, I like to give the PIE method because they don't need to have a, a cheat sheet. They can memorize three letters, P-I-E. P is for 
pressing the pause button. We have to learn to press the pause button in our lives. Uh, maybe you are familiar with that quote between a stimulus and a response. There is a space in their space. Uh, is the power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Totally, yeah. Yeah. The trouble is we have to be able to see the space between the stimulus and the response. Yeah. And uh, because it's only when we manage almost to create a slow motion and see that space, because sometimes it's a trigger, that we are able to choose our response. So training ourselves to press the pause button that allow us to see that space more often than not. It's like you have to see it like a muscle that you can exercise and become very good to ground yourself and see, oh, it's a trigger. Ah, was only I do this, but maybe I can try this different thing. And in the beginning, it's more like, oh, I got triggered and I did that thing again and again and again. So he's thinking back and, and consider in that pause, what if I had the chance to redo that? Or if that happens in the future, what can I do that is different? So start to rewire your brain. So pressing the pause is the essential skill to learn. And I will say that there are three types of pauses. That is like the, the macro pauses that you are going to a retreat, you are working with a coach. You take a, a good amount of time to do that work of stopping, self-reflection, self-growth, wonderful. But then if you want to keep that momentum going, you really have to start to have scheduled pauses in your day, creating rituals in your day to day, where you're journaling, where you uh, uh, do meditation, whatever works for you to exercise that muscle, because only by doing that, you are ready to do the micro pauses. That is that when the stimulus, the trigger happen, you are able to press the pause button to choose your response. It's self-leadership. Mm. So that is the P, pause, pressing the pause. Then the I is all about increasing your self-awareness. We can change a lot by increasing our self-awareness. And many of the personal development systems speak about this, of increasing the self-awareness. And many, if we look in the world of the mindset, they will say that the thoughts, changing the thoughts that you have will changing the way you feel and what you do and the results you get. And there's a lot of truth on this, but the reality is a little bit more complex because if it was enough to change our thought patterns, our beliefs to change us forever, we could spend the day listening to TEDx or TED Talks and we'll be totally transforming the other side. And the reality is a little bit more messy than that, because how usually we have this tendency to see things in a linear way, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. But I like to ask people to think about them as a triangle. So if you imagine a triangle, it's a form with three sides that if it loses one side, it ceases to exist, disappears. We need all these three dimensions. We need our thoughts. We need our feelings and we need to do something, our behaviors, our actions. And for some people, it's easier to start to work on their thoughts 
wonderful, very powerful, but that, that will have a reflection in the feelings and in what we do. But some people, or in some circumstances, it's better to do something different. When you are really stuck, sometimes going for a walk in nature can be the best thing that you can do. That is doing something. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> Dude, I, I actually posted something. On, I was like, if you ever have a problem, go for a walk in nature and it'll solve itself. Now, obviously, that's not like necessarily true, but a lot of times what's in your head when you're trying to solve something at your desk if you just walk in nature, literally the solution just comes to you. So sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. But, so <laughs> but that is the thing even, and there are some people that are more neck up person. So the thinking is what they are more aware, start there, but then ask how that, that influence my feelings and my behaviors. Other people, they have the, their feelings in the, in the top of their skin and they are very sensitive. So the feelings, they are more in sync with their feelings and, Poets, creatives are very much like that. And that is beautiful. But let's see how that affects their thinking and beliefs and what they do in their day to day. And the people are more doing people. So start with whatever is easier for you. And then always increase your self-awareness on how one dimension affects the interplays with other dimension. And that is a very rich way of increasing your self-awareness in a very powerful way. So you have pre, P for pressing the pause, I for increasing your self-awareness, and then the E is to embracing the experimentation mindset. Because in if you are doing an experiment, all results are welcome. Of course, we have the expectation of a certain result, but loads of advances in science happens when we get an expected result. So, and if we embrace this mindset of experimentation, we see that there is no failures, just helpful information to learn from. And that creates a much more like a, a failure-proof approach because, oh, it didn't work. Why? Let's be curious about uh, and learn from that to experiment again for the next experience. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's awesome. That's definitely a clip. So get ready, social media, that pie. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, I guess one of the last questions I have for you here is like, what are, what's your overall goal with, and like, how are you structuring this and helping people with, with their burnout? Like, are you, I know you've been doing it for a few years, but are yes. you like building a community? Are you is it one-on-one? -on -one? Like, how does it all function and what's the future? Look so like? the ideal thing, for instance, when I speak to organization or to an association, I like to, even when I do uh, the talk that is explaining my framework around burnout and increasing our impact, I use an assessment tool that is validated by lots of the, more than 30 years of data that allow us to do an assessment where are people in that burnout engaged continuum. So the first element that when I work with a group uh, association or organization is creating the A. So think A, B, C, A for awareness. We do an assessment, we know where people are, and we see the impact of that at many levels, financial, physical, emotional, uh, operational, spiritual, in terms of their purpose. Great. So with that data, then we can design, we can co-create an action plan. Uh, 
And then we can move to B, that is all about boosting opportunities. Uh, we, we, if we develop that self-leadership skills, if we develop ourselves as human in that human potential, we are boosting the opportunities of choice, of making the choice when there is a stimulus to choose our response as individuals and as groups. And then the C is cultivating work sustainability because is we speak so much about environment sustainability, but we also have to think how can we create cultures in the corp corporate American internationally and in any organizations of any size that is healthy for us to work, to really see results, but also take care of ourselves and have some fun in the process. No, 100%. I, um, sorry, as you were talking, I was just thinking like, so you, you actually, there's two different models for you here. So one, it could be for one person or you're saying like a corporation or association could actually bring you in. Yes. And then you could literally train all of their employees on this. So that's yes. really cool because the beauty of that is then everybody, the whole team is on the same page and the operation is just 10 times, you know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. And sometimes I start to work with the leader of the organization and then the, or the leadership team and they say, oh, this is working. So let's bring this to the rest of the organization. That that, that uh, many times is the ideal thing because they know the value and they are like the advocates to make it work to the rest of the organization. I love it. That's so cool. Um, well, here, look, I, I want to leave it to you. If there's anything we didn't cover, please do. But I feel like this is kind of a good uh, cliffhanger because obviously, I mean, when it comes to psychology and stuff like that, I mean, we could go six, seven hours, right? Or forever. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, if there's anything that you wanted to cover on this one and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have you on again in the future as well. Um, but please do. And then after that, I'd love for you to share, you know, where people can stay in touch with you and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I just want to leave with a message wherever people are, just don't lose hope. Uh, it's possible if you are stuck, if you are in the rut, you don't have to be there forever. There are tools. There are many experts out there that can help you. There are many people out there. Sometimes you have to ask for help. That is the uh, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be courageous because I think vulnerable and courageous go together to ask for help, but there is help out there. Please don't lose the hope. So that is what I would like to leave. And of course, people can, in terms of finding my work out there, the best way is my website and malikin.com, my first last name and last name.com. And if they are listening to this podcast, first, make sure that you are subscribed to this amazing podcast and then go on and check Mindset Zone podcast and follow me there too. Amazing. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.